And yes, thank you, worship team, for allowing us and leading us in the, the time of worship as it has prepared our hearts now for the study of God's Word. Hebrews chapter number 11, if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter number 11. And we are going to conclude our series that we've been in for uh, about six or seven weeks now on a life of faith. And we've been studying Hebrews chapter 11, defining what faith is and seeing how faith relates to our life in every area. In fact, the author of Hebrews, when you get to chapter 11, begins to get really practical looking back at Old Testament saints that had applied faith in their life and and shares what faith was able to do for them. We find that faith affected their worship and even their walk and even their work for God. It affected what they believed and how they believed, how they trusted in God, even when they didn't understand what God was doing. Uh, We found how faith was uh, what allowed them to answer impossible calls and impossible commands. Uh, It allowed them to uh, obey and, and realize that in impossible circumstances, God is faithful. And, uh, and as they applied faith into their life, God worked. God worked in them mightily. And you'll find that faith was, was shown different in every life. It was unique. The life of Abraham and the faith he exercised was different than the life of Moses and the faith that he exercised. Now, both were exercising faith in God, yet God used them very differently. In one, he called out of his country to to a land that he didn't know. In another, he was taking a people that were captive back to the land of promise, uh, exiting them out of slavery, out of a, a nation that had enslaved them for 400 years. And, and so we find that though faith is lived out Uh, In our life, it might show in our life differently than in the life of others. And God may use our faith to do something different than he used the faith of someone else in their life. Faith uh, Faith leaves us victorious when we live by faith. We learned about that even in verses 29 and 30 as the people of Israel were found to be victorious by their faith. Now we get to the last part of this chapter, verse 32 down to verse number 40. And the author shares a few more thoughts about the power of faith. Do you know that the life of a Christian is a powerful life? Now, it's not powerful because nations and governments submit to its control. As a Christian, we don't have power because we rule over governments. It's not powerful because it's feared by all who hear of our faith. In fact, many times people that hear of our faith can mock our faith, make fun of our faith, despise our faith, and hate us for our faith. Our power is not not found in the fear of others, but it is powerful because of what it can do through faith. What a Christian life can do through faith is display the power of God. Not our power, but his power. 
It has the power to influence the lives of others. It is powerful because God is powerful. And to show that our God is powerful, we must live a life of faith. That's how our world knows that God is powerful. Yes, they can see creation, but creation doesn't convince everyone, as we have seen over the last, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand, however many thousands of years we've been on this planet. The evidences of creation aren't as convincing as the evidences of a life of faith. I'd venture to say that more people have come to trust Christ as their Savior and believe in God as a result of what they've seen in others more than what they've seen in our universe. The life of a Christian is a powerful life. It influences others. It impacts others. It displays the power of God. Most of you have probably heard of a man by, by the name of Alfred Noble. Alfred Noble was an inventor, a scientist, and in 1867, he patented something that every one of us would know. At first, he wanted to call it Noble's black powder or powerful powder, but, but after thinking about that and, and really discussing that with others to see if that's what really he was going to name it, he decided against that. See, this, this uh, formula he had found, he used nitroglycerin and a few other elements, and they were very powerful. In fact, they were more powerful than the traditional black powder that was used in guns and, and other things uh, for explosives. This one was, was a lot more powerful. And thinking about that power, instead of calling it Noble's black powder, he ended up calling it dynamite after the Greek name or Greek word Donimus. It's, it's a powerful substance. It was used and can be used even today to blow up rocks. Many people would make uh, different uh, holes uh, in, in mountains as they're going to make a tunnel for trains, and they would use dynamite. It's, it's a very powerful explosive. Breaks hard rock like, like nothing. I was trying to look for what... Uh, what the power of dynamite is, but they said it depends on the, on the, the, the size of the dynamite stick. And, and then it gave me a bunch of numbers that I didn't understand. It was, it was kind of like, it has like 640,000 pounds of pressure per square. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I, I had no idea what it means. So I, I just concluded, since I couldn't understand it and I couldn't really find, no, no one really illustrated what is the, the limit of its power. I just, I just can tell you it's, it's very powerful. That's about all I got out of the, the articles I read on dynamite. But you know that Paul said, and he uses that word in the Greek, dynamos, or dynamos in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, in relation to the gospel. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God. Paul taught that a Christian life is powerful because of the power of God. If you go to verse number 17 in Romans chapter 1, you'll find that that power is seen through faith. A life of faith displays this power. And as the author of Hebrews is writing to these Jewish Christians that are going through so many different things in their life as a result of following Christ, he, he wants to leave them with a few final thoughts about what faith does and is and the power 
that they have as Christians in their faith. Notice what he, what he writes in verse number 32. He's already written to us, telling us about the faith of Abraham and Moses and other great Old Testament saints. But now he, he kind of begins to wrap it up. And in verse 32, he writes, And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdue kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens." Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. This morning, from verse 32 down to verse 48, I want to share just three final thoughts about the power of faith from this passage. What he, the author summarizes, we ought to know about a life of faith. The first thought is this, faith can deliver you. The author of Hebrews has shared with his audience much about a life of faith, how it affects their lives and how It acts in every situation, what it leads to and what it results in. And now he focuses, lastly, on the deliverance of faith, the deliverance of faith. Notice he he talks about in verse 32, these great men of faith and how God delivered them. In fact, In verse 32, when he mentions Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David and Samuel and the prophets, all of those have one thing in common. What they have in common is that God delivered all of them from death and destruction. The life of Gideon, they were facing the Midianites who were a much larger army than the Israeli army and they were on the brink of annihilation and God delivered them. We find that in the life of Barak, the same thing happened during the time of Judges where a nation was coming to destroy them, but God delivered them. You see the same thing in the life of Jephthah, in the life of Samson with the Philistines. You find that God delivered them over and over and over again. God delivered them from certain destruction and death. David established a monarchy through God's power and Samuel delivered the people of Israel time and time again through his faith in God and through 
living a life of faith. The prophets saw God deliver Israel from the Assyrians and the Syrians, from the Egyptians and from countless other enemies like the Moabites and the Amalekites and the Ammonites. We find as faith in their life delivered them from all sorts of destruction and death. In verse 33, he alludes to Daniel and his friends as they were delivered from the fire and delivered from execution. In every circumstance, faith overcame. Did you know that today, faith has not changed in that? Faith can still deliver you. Faith can deliver you from destructive forces in your world and in our world. It can, it can deliver us from death itself. That's why I love what David wrote in Psalms 18. Put it in your notes. Verse 32, he said, God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. David understood this. All the deliverances, even the defeat of of Goliath wasn't of his own making. It was because of his faith in God who is powerful, who displayed his power through him. Faith can deliver you from destruction and death. It can deliver you from living a life of defeat. The author in verse 34, after describing death and destruction, talks about defeat. And he writes how faith overcomes defeat by reminding his readers that faith strengthened those that are weak and gave courage to those that were going into battle against their enemies and even brought others back from death. At least we know of two women in the time of Elijah and in the time of Elisha the prophets that saw the resurrection of their children. Faith is, is powerful. It delivers from destruction and death. It delivers from defeat. Faith had brought about all these miracles. Faith had made them possible. Today, faith does the same. Perhaps you've seen faith work in the life of someone that was under the destructive influence of drugs or alcohol. You've seen how their life changed the moment they accepted Christ into their life. And as he became their savior and their king, as they became redeemed and part of of that group that has put their faith and trust in Christ and begin to live a life of faith, you you saw them delivered from from the chains of, of that destruction. We've seen people overcome failures in their life, defeats, circumstances that easily could overcome them. And yet by faith, they had the strength to go on and overcome that circumstance. Faith delivers today. 
I can say that confidently because I've seen it. I've seen it in the lives of the people of this church. I've seen it in the lives of people in other churches around this country and around this world. I've heard testimonies and met people that have been delivered because of faith in their life. Faith's a powerful thing. And the author's reminding those Christians that are facing some very difficult circumstances, some persecution and suffering, some having to leave the city out of fear of maybe death. And he's reminding them, just, just want to remind you, faith is powerful. And a life of faith can deliver you. In fact, the apostle John said the very same thing there in 1 John 5, 4. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Faith can deliver you. Tells the people, the Christians of his day, he's writing to them and, say, and he says, faith delivered Gideon and David and Samuel and the prophets Delivered Daniel and his friends. It, it delivered uh, women that had lost the most precious thing, their, their children. It delivered them. It can deliver you. Because it's a powerful thing. But I want you to give, notice a second thought that he shares with them. Not only faith can deliver you, but notice this. Faith can deliver you, but it's not guaranteed. When you get to verse 35, it starts really nice. Women receive their dead, raised to life again, and we're like, yes, the power of faith, resurrecting one that had been dead, bringing joy to those moms' lives, thinking, I'm never going to see my boy again, I'm never going to be able to talk to him again, and, and faith brought him back to me. But notice the second half of the verse changes from this exciting thought of faith to, and others were tortured not accepting deliverance. I wish that I could tell you this morning that faith always delivers those who have it from every difficulty and from every hardship of life. I wish I could say, if you just have enough faith in your life, things will disappear. And the problems you're facing, you won't have to face them anymore. I wish I could say that. There are some people that preach that kind of theology. In fact, they'll, they'll even say sometimes if you just send them a little offering that they can guarantee it. I, I wish I could tell you that faith means your family life will be great. That you'll never have problems in your marriage. But I can't. Faith can deliver you and it is powerful to do that. But it's not guaranteed. You see, though faith has the power to do all those things of delivering us from destruction and death and defeat, faith doesn't guarantee that it will happen. In fact, faith doesn't guarantee no suffering. The author of Hebrews wants to clarify something that can easily come into our minds when we live by faith. And that is that faith is a guarantee for being indestructible. And that we're over everything that life throws at us. We can, we can just walk right through it like nothing. You know, a life of faith doesn't make us Superman. 
Do you know that Christians also have tragedies just like anyone else? Christians face terminal illnesses just like anybody else. Christians die of terminal illnesses just like anybody else can. We just went through a pandemic three years ago. You know what? There's a lot of Christians that died during the pandemic. There's many that suffered during that time. Faith does not guarantee that suffering will be erased from our life. This passage reminds us that many people of faith who lived before us died. They were defeated by different circumstances of life in spite of living by faith. It happens to people even living by faith. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Taking up the cross of Christ was plainly saying, you're going to suffer. By saying that, Jesus knew what was ahead of him when he talked about the cross. Upon hearing that the very first time, I'm sure the disciples knew what the cross was for. That's for criminals. It's a really slow way of dying. Basically, they suffocate you, but slowly. Whereas drowning might take two or three minutes, crucifixion will take about two to three hours, even, even longer. Some people could last 24 to 48 hours before they succumbed and then just couldn't breathe anymore. Jesus said, listen, there's no guarantee following me and living by faith that there won't be suffering. Faith doesn't guarantee that there's no hardships. The author says, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings and bonds and imprisonment. Even people of faith have to face hardships in life. Even people of faith have bad days and dark days. Tragedy can hit them just like anyone else. Now listen carefully. God does not command us to live by faith so that nothing bad will happen to us. That's not the purpose of a life of faith. It's not like a pill we take so that nothing harms us. God never intended a life of faith to be that. So many Christians today think that that's what a life of faith is all about. It's about ah, living your best life now. Now I love life. God is good. God's been good to us as a church. God's been good to me personally. But if you come to a point in your life where you think a life of faith is just God giving you everything you want, then you need to go back and read Hebrews chapter 11. We've studied this for the last few weeks. We've studied people and the lives of people that didn't get everything they wanted, even though they were living by faith. Those that had to go through suffering and those that had to endure hardship. See, the life of faith is not given to us to avoid those things, but to get through those things. 
You see, sin affected all of us. All of us. And that's why even innocent people die sometimes. I hate to read about tragedies of shootings because it's just someone that was at a Walmart or someone that was just at a mall or someone that was just at a game. I read of one from last month. I think it was in Virginia. They were just at a graduation. But we all suffer because of that. A life of faith is what sustains us when life drains us. Faith is given so that we can be reminded that all we live for doesn't end here on this earth. It's so easy to forget that. There's a phrase at the end of verse 35 that I think is a key phrase that the author wants those Christians to remember because he was just telling them, listen, God can deliver you, but it's not guaranteed. And some of you are going to have hardships. And some of you are going to go through sufferings because others have. Not all the prophets were delivered. Not every leader in Israel was Gideon and winning every battle. So he simply reminds them, a life of faith isn't given to us to avoid it, but to get through those things. He says, don't forget, at the end of verse 35, he says that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were looking for something beyond this world. You know, this world believes that what this earth is and has is what life is all about. That's why they'll mock a Christian and say, you're going to leave that job? For what? For something that pays less? Are you kidding me? You won't have as big of a house? You're going to really limit the options that your kids can go to in college? I mean, your inheritance ain't going to be what that person's going to leave for their kids. So many times... As Christians, we forget that there's more. We forget that a life of faith is given to us and it's powerful. Not to get everything we want. But sometimes to endure sufferings and hardships. A life of faith sometimes strengthens us when we're so weak that we feel like we can't go on. Or when a tragedy hits and an unexpected death happens. It's a life of faith that brings that comfort. It's a life of faith that reminds us there's something greater in this life. It's a life of faith that reminds us what's on this earth is so temporal. I didn't put it in your notes, but when Paul was going through his imprisonments and his sufferings and his scourgings, he said, I count it but a light thing for the life that is before me. So what does he conclude? 
He said a life of faith can deliver you, but it's not guaranteed. So he concludes in verse 39 and 40, move forward with your faith. Faith should move us forward in life every day that we have breath. Faith today ought to be stronger than our faith yesterday. You see, he tells them in verse 39, he tells these Christians, listen, I've written to you of these Old Testament saints. And what they endured and what they went through in their life of faith, and they didn't have half of what we have. He says in verse 39, and these all having obtained a good report through faith, that means a good testimony of faith, they'd, they'd given and displayed a good life of faith, received not the promise. You know what the promise is? We studied this in the book of Galatians. We studied it in the book of Romans. The promise is the Messiah. It's Jesus giving of himself. In fact, the whole book of Hebrews focuses on Jesus as our supreme high priest and the sacrifice for us, the sacrifice whose blood doesn't just cover sin, it blots it out. And they didn't even have that. It was, it was a shadow to them. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, he says, it was a shadow of things that they saw. But through faith, they saw it, the invisible to be visible. And he reminds these Christians they didn't have the reality we live in. And yet their faith moved them forward. It's kind of like he's saying, you have an opportunity that they never had. You have a, a much more powerful faith than they could ever have imagined to obtain. But what are you doing with that faith? He said, I, I want to encourage you, move forward in your faith. In fact, move forward, number one, in the light of his promises. See, God gave us the living word that is Jesus Christ, but he's also given us his written word that is the Bible. And God has given us his spirit to live in us. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon them, but it would leave when they were in a life of sin, in a life of disobedience. The Spirit would come upon them, and then it would leave. But after the promise was given, after Jesus gave his life, now that Spirit indwells us because his blood bought us. And the author is just reminding them and he's reminding us that are reading this letter that he wrote. Move forward in your faith in the light of that promise. The promise of the Spirit of God living on us. The promise of his word guiding us, instructing us. His promises are sure because we have the Spirit of God living in us and working in us. You see, the promise of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection brought about other promises of being part of his family, of, of having his spirit living in us, of being more than conquerors through him who died for us. 
We are to live by greater faith, seeing that we have more than the Old Testament's ever had. So now, he's telling those Christians, Christians, faith can deliver you. It's delivered others. But it's not guaranteed some of us are going to go through sufferings and hardships. But move forward in your faith. Faith isn't here to avoid those issues. It's here to get us through those. Faith faith is given so that we can keep moving forward and growing spiritually and knowing more of him. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. You'll find that Paul speaks a lot about faith and power. Jesus told his disciples in Mark chapter 10, There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Yeah, our world laughs at us, mocks us, dismisses us. What do you do when that happens? Live by faith. I used to think for a long time my job was to argue with them. And listen, I'm thankful for those that major in apologetics and defend our faith. That that is something we ought to do. The Bible does talk about defending our faith. There's defending our faith, and then there's just arguing with people. God's not called us to just be arguers with people. He's called us to be people of faith. You do this by living in the light of his promises and living in the light of his completed work. That's why verse 40 He says, God having provided some better thing for us. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have the indwelling spirit, but we do. That's what's better. A life of faith that is better than the life of faith that they had. That without us, that they without us should not be made perfect. That word perfect there is complete. In other words, God's work isn't done. God didn't finish with them and say, all right, well, Gideon's gone. I guess that's it. Well, Samuel's done. I guess that's it. No. In fact, you can read in Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout this earth, seeking in whom he can show himself mighty, powerful. The work is complete. The work of the cross is done and he's provided us a better, a better and a greater faith. Live in that faith. 
move forward by that faith. The Old Testament saints had an incomplete faith, but not us. By the way, that leaves us with a greater responsibility as well. First Peter, the Apostle Peter writes this, put it in your notes, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They just wondered about it. I wonder what that's going to be like. I wonder, I wonder how it's going to feel. Yet by faith they believed it was happening, it was coming. He said they were told that their message was not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things that happen. Peter said, listen, even angels watch in awe people of faith. This morning, the question could be asked, what can faith do? It can deliver you. From destruction, from death, from defeat, yes, it can. But it's not guaranteed. Some of us have suffering to go through still. Some of us are going to face hardships in our life. The answer is not quitting your faith. The answer is moving forward in faith. Not allowing yourself to be defeated by this world or by the flesh or by the devil himself. But rather choosing to live by faith. In the light of what God has given us. His word. In the light of the completed work of Christ on the cross. That now we can enjoy a different kind of faith. A greater faith. A better faith. So the choice this morning to make is to live in the power of that faith. Can I ask you something? What power are you living in? The power of logic and reasoning? The power of getting ahead as the world tells us to get ahead? And the philosophies of this world? the arguments of this world? Are you choosing to live by faith? To believe what God has said and to live by what God has said. At the end of this chapter, he just says, Matt, what more can I say? I guess I could tell you more about Gideon's life. I I guess I could tell you more about those that have gone through suffering, maybe even Paul's life. I, I could tell you of that, but really, it's not about them. It's about you and your faith. It's powerful. But are you living in that power? Here's what I want to encourage you to do. This series means nothing if we don't apply it, if we don't live what we've learned. The choice is this. The choice is I either will live a life of faith 
or I won't. It's that simple. And what I want to encourage you is to live a life of faith. It's a powerful life. And every Christian ought to live a powerful life. Choose to live by faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Thank you for a life of faith. Man, it's amazing what we've studied in this chapter of what faith is and what faith does. What it brings and the joy and the peace. It's amazing to think, Father, of the power that we have through faith. Father, help us not to misuse the life you've given us. You saved us by your power. But now you've given us a life of faith so that we can live in that power. Oh, I pray that as Christians this morning, we wouldn't be defeated. But I I pray that we would be living a life of faith that can be delivering us from certain obstacles and circumstances or living a life even though we might be delivered to circumstances of sufferings and hardships. Help us to understand, Father, a life of faith isn't about us, it's about you. It's about what you've given us promises of your word a better life a new life eternal life joyful life peaceful life oh father I pray you work in our hearts this morning even as the piano plays perhaps you're here as we continue in our time of prayer and you're saying you know what pastor that's the life I want I want a life of faith, not because I want power over people, but I want the power of God in my life. I want to show others just who my God is, the power of his resurrection, the power of faith through him. That's where you pray for me that I might this week choose to live by faith over everything else. If that's your decision, just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. God bless you over there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God see that. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Father, this morning, more hands than I could count were raised, mine included. Father, I don't, I don't know what lies ahead this week it could be suffering and hardship or it could be deliverance but whichever it is we have decided today that we want to live a life of faith we want to have your power working in us and through us and so father we ask
We ask that this week, the decisions that we have to make and the circumstances that we're going to face, help us to face them by faith and through faith, through faith move forward. Help us to live a life that truly is in your power and in your strength. Help us to live a life of faith. We love you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.